<laughs> yeah, no kidding. That's true. <laughs> oh, good observation there, Reg. <laughs> All right, are we ready? <clears throat> Get the frivolity out of the way. <clears throat> Clear the instrument. And let's uh, let's do a podcast. What do you say? Cool? All right, put it in the books. Episode 405. 405. Okay? All ready? Got your finger on the trigger. Okay, ready? Here we go. <clears throat> Star smile strong. Three, two, one. Hey, it's Elton Jim Toronto, and this is Captain Podtastic. And welcome to another episode of Elton Jim's Captain Podtastic. Every Monday, a new episode is posted at WGNRadio.com. Or wherever you go to find your favorite podcast, we are there. And don't forget, I appreciate you listening every week. No question about that. But I also need to get I need you to get out there. Tell your friends. Tell your family. Tell anybody who listens to a podcast that your favorite podcast is Elton Jim's Captain Podtastic, and it should be theirs too. Your loyalty and devotion are much appreciated. If you like what you hear, you can always go at your convenience to WGNRadio.com. Hit the prompt for podcast. Hit the prompt for this specific podcast. And you will find... Felix the Cat's Bag of Tricks, <laughs> filled with podcasts. <laughs> now there's a reference. Google Felix the Cat. Anyway, lots and lots of podcasts from the past. We've been doing this since May of 2016. We've been doing this for 400 and now five episodes. Welcome to 405. So today I wanted to um, pay tribute to somebody that um, if you live in the Chicago area, Chicago proper, Chicago suburbs, even downstate and even nationally, yes, even nationally, Thanks to the reach of WGN Television, Channel 9, from Chicago, you are aware of, I don't even think it's an exaggeration, the, and I'm not even going to say perhaps, not, I'm not even going to qualify it, I'm just going to say uh, the best and most accurate and most popular TV meteorologist in the business and perhaps in the history of television weather forecasting. And uh, if you live here in the Chicago area, uh, the weather 
and this person are basically synonymous. They are the same name. They are in the same thought. And I'm speaking, of course, of Mr. Tom Skilling. And he has been a fixture in the Chicago uh, broadcasting world as well as within the Chicago zeitgeist. Although he was not born and raised here in Chicago, he was raised here to some extent when he was a teenager, but um, he's, he, he has been certainly uh, he is a, a member of the, of the Chicago land area and a hometown boy to some extent, but many people might not know that he wasn't actually born here, and I'll talk about that a little later. Um, but uh, he will be well-deserved, I should say, retiring from his post as the chief weather forecaster for WGN television here in Chicago. He has been a fixture, as I said, not only in the city, but in the state and in the country. He has gained national prominence, not only for doing his job so thoroughly, so professionally, so informatively, and so passionately. And that is what has defined his career. He has become uh, our friend. He has become someone that we look to. Here in Chicago, uh, weather is a major consideration in our lifestyle. We get all four seasons here, and we get them all uh, in... (laughs) In in heavy doses. (laughs) Uh, We get winter with all of its glory, if you will. Cold weather, wind chills, snow, ice, freezing rain, wintry mix, you name it. We get summer filled with heat and humidity and ozone levels and fecal grease balls in the <laughs> in the in the in the uh, in the lake and pouring rain and gorgeous sunrises and gorgeous sunsets and we get welcoming springs with warming weather's warm, warming weather after the cold winter and of course, a lot of rain and tornadoes, of which Tom is a, a major tornado watcher and predictor. And of course, we get some crisp, nice, beautiful fall days here as well. Not as many as we used to. Fall seems to have gotten a little shorter uh, in the last several years. But needless to say, Chicago experiences all four seasons in all their specific glories, and it impacts our daily life, especially when the weathers get extreme, extreme cold, extreme snow, extreme heat. Uh, We've seen blizzards. We've seen extreme heat waves that have led to, sadly, uh, deaths of people not even being able to, to survive the heat. We've seen people uh, stranded, uh, floods, 
in the Midwest, especially here in Chicago, next to that lake, we get a very interesting mix of weather. And I don't, I think Tom Skilling, whether it was divine intervention or whether it was a, a grand plan, uh, one way or the other, someone executed it very well and put Tom Skilling in the exact place where he belonged, where weather was important, where weather was uh, crucial, and where he could become such a prominent figure because of his internal passion and interest to inform and communicate and predict and in many ways teach as well as entertain the the weather forecaster in television news overall has always played an interesting role in the scheme of the weather forecast And it really does depend on where you live. If you've traveled quite a bit, and I have throughout the country, um, weather forecasting has certainly become more prominent, more accurate, and has taken on a bigger piece of the daily news newscasts because of the technology that has allowed it to be much more accurate. And as I said before, weather plays a a crucial role in many of our daily activities. Travel, taking kids to school, enjoyment. And as the ability to predict the weather has become more accurate, it's taken on a more prominent type of role. But in the evolution of the weather forecasting in the news it wasn't always as accurate the technology wasn't as in-depth to provide uh, satellite pictures and and um, and all these different types of technologies that really help and aid to allow a meteorologist to per, to correctly forecast or predict the coming weather for any kind of region whether you live here in the north, in the in the Midwest, where where weather plays a major role and um, it can change on a dime, one day it could be seventy degrees here, the next day it could be ten. One day it could be a beautiful sunny day, and the next day there can be a tornado. Chicago is really a great place, I would I would think, to be a meteorologist, to be a weather forecaster, because of the Chicago weather's constant change it's it's volatility it's instability it's very predictable and yet it's very unpredictable and i think that that must make it very fun and interesting because every day there could be a new surprise coming but the weatherman the weather person if you will in the history of television especially Uh, has taken on many roles. As I said before, weather forecasting wasn't as pinpoint accurate as it it is today. And there's still times when, even with the greatest 
computers and technology and and weather models, if you will, uh, to help predict that come from all over the world. Uh, the Earth, Mother Nature, is always the one who's in charge. I always think it's funny how we believe that we have control over any aspect of this planet. We are constantly reminded of who's in charge. And it's nature. We are at nature's beck and call. We we react to nature. Nature does not react to us. Nature calls the shots. And we see that every day in all different parts of the world. Uh we have created weather tragedies on our own in many cases. We say, well, this is a tragedy. Uh, for instance, there's flooding. Oh, this is terrible. What a tragedy. Uh, the, the, the river overflowed and, and X amount of people are without their homes. Or there was an avalanche and, and people's homes or, or skiers were, uh, were trapped. Or there's mudslides and houses on the, um, in the... Um, and the California mountains are sliding down, or there's wildfires, and they are destroying homes, and uh, or there's huge, huge snow that are burying people up in Maine. And we say, uh, these are tragedies. Well, no. That's nature being nature. They're tragedies because we think that we many times are in control of this, and we put ourselves in areas that are natural places for bad weather to occur. But we like a nice lake view, have a house on the lake, have a house on the mountains, have a, have a, have a, have a house uh, you know, in, the, in the winter, uh, for skiing up in the in the high parts of the mountains where there's all this snow, we think that we have control. But at the end of the day, Mother Nature always has control. And I would think that Chicago, if I was a weather person, would be the perfect place to work. And I think that's one reason why Tom Skilling has been so successful, so popular. And he's been in the Chicago area for 45 years this year at the same station, at WGN Television, Channel 9 in Chicago. And thanks to the size of the Tribune Company, which initially owned WGN Television, and because of its dominance and its, its prominence in the broadcasting world, the Tribune Company, especially in the 70s and 80s, and as, the, as, as television expanded through cable, a, a, a channel, a, a station like WGN wound up being a super station, being carried on cable networks, not just in the Chicago area, not just in the Chicago suburbs, not even just in the state of Illinois, not even just in the Midwest region, but around the country. And so Tom Skilling's personality, his passion, his in-depth um, analysis of weather, his accurate predictions were suddenly there for everyone to see and to enjoy and to be captivated by. 
Interestingly enough, even if you didn't live in Chicago. Now, what was great about Tom Skilling's reach was that many people, especially when they retire, but in any times of their lives, many people would move from Chicago and go to other places. And while WGN was on these superstations, and now the predictions for Chicago weather really didn't affect them on a daily basis, Tom Skilling's easy manner, as I said before, his passion, and his genuine personality came through that he was a friend. To the point where even if people didn't live in the Chicago anymore, maybe area anymore, lived on each coast where the, the, the weather in Chicago played no part in their lives, they would still watch Time Skilling and still watch WGN and still watch his weather forecasts. And that is a special kind of broadcaster, a special kind of performer. He will be retiring this week, after 45 years of, as I said before, not just being a fixture in Chicago, uh, but being a legend in Chicago broadcasting easily, and being a legend in Chicago lore as a historical figure, I truly believe that Tom Skilling's name will continue to be Um, evoked for many, many, many years. He's had that kind of an impact and influence on this region, not just because he's a meteorologist and a weatherman and did impart to the citizens of our area important weather news because it does affect our day-to-day basis, but because, as I said before, he created a very unique bond. And that doesn't happen all the time. And he's taking a very well-deserved retirement after 45 years. He's in his early 70s. Um, He is one of the highest paid, if not the highest paid local uh, meteorologists. And so it's nice, I think, anybody who has watched Tom or has come to know Tom is happy for Tom. Uh, He has done... Uh, an amazing job personally and professionally in carving out a not only a name for himself, but I think elevating the the skill and I would even say the artistry of weather prediction. We, as I said before, the the weather the weather person on a local or a national newscast was almost kind of obligatory. Uh, the news used to drive the the broadcast, and then they would go for about five, maybe not even in, in the world of a of a half hour TV newscast. If you have two minutes or three minutes to do your segment, whether it's weather or sports or whatever it might be. That's a lot because the news is the dominant thing. And so they would throw it to weather, and the weather person would, as I said in the early days, weather prediction wasn't as accurate 
as it is today. And so it was kind of looked as a throwaway. It was kind of looked as, hey, uh, there's a good chance. But in the days of you know hard news and verifiable news, weather prediction didn't really fall into that category as easily because a lot of it was guesswork. There was enough information and there was enough technology to put into some kind of an equation based on the knowledge that the weather person had to say, well, based on on these different factors, the chances of it raining or snowing or, or, or sunshine or cold or whatever it might be is this. But historically, for many decades, weather forecasting wasn't always that accurate. And so people would kind of take it with a grain of salt. The weatherman says it might rain today, I'll bring an umbrella. If it doesn't rain, fine. But if it does, then at least I have an umbrella with me. It was that time of, of type of thing. You used it as a, to pardon the, 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 the pun, a barometer of what might happen. But there were really no guarantees. For many decades, there were, there were good assumptions based on the weather conditions and the technologies that, had, that, um, that existed, but it was still a guessing game to some extent, which is why the idea of, of, of it was weather forecasting. Now, you could never say, you know, two plus two equals four. You can't say that in weather. So the idea of forecasting already involves a certain extent of guesswork. You can take a lot of pinpointed and uh, and hard proven facts, but because the 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 weather, because of nature, because of this crazy planet that we're on, the weather is so volatile at times that even the most seemingly accurate prediction can go by the wayside. And so what was interesting in the development of the, the weather forecaster was they also were, in, in the scheme of the entertainment part of the news, if you will, because anything on television is entertainment, even hard news, especially now today, much more of an entertainment kind of aspects than perhaps the original news broadcasts of the uh, late 40s and early 50s on television, which were much more serious, much more grounded in news. Most of the people that were the first broadcasters in any kind of television news uh, came from either a, a newspaper or radio background. And in many cases, they even came from a military background. They were in communications and did different kind of broadcasting within the military. And so there was a much more serious bent to things. But as an entertainment kind of option, format, while the anchor, say Walter Cronkite or someone, that might be very serious about the day's news, in order to give something of a lighter touch, when the weather forecaster came on, it was a chance to 
brings in some lighter type of entertainment or or personality. We were dealing with, first of all, at that time, a much less accurate and and fact-based subject, weather forecasting. And so the weatherman, weather person, was there to give a an overview as to what it looked like might be happening for your specific town or nationally. But they also were given the latitude to exert a little more personality of themselves, whereas the news anchor in those early days was much more serious and fact-based. Walter Cronkite read the news in a very stern, stoic manner. In fact, one reason why it's become a historic uh, piece of uh, film was when John F. Kennedy was assassinated for one of the few times while delivering the news in a very straightforward, stoic manner, which is why Walter Cronkite at one time was viewed as the most trusted man in America because of the way he delivered the news in a very serious, almost stern way, every so often cracking a smile. But when Walter Cronkite delivered the news, it was important. He gave off an air that what he was saying was vital to you and important, and you needed to listen. And every so often, some lighthearted and of his own personality might come through, but very seldomly, which is why when the news of John F. Kennedy's assassination and his death, the official confirmation of his death came through, and Cronkite had to read that, that at, I believe it was 12 noon was the, was the official uh, report when John F. Kennedy was pronounced dead. Cronkite was reading the script with a sheet of paper in front of him and his glasses on. And when he read the news, which he had just gotten for the first time, someone handed it to him, didn't have a chance to pre-read it. He was reacting in the moment as a real person. And when he read the fact that John F. Kennedy had been pronounced and confirmed as dead with the time and the place, he paused and he was emotionally struck by that news and the the enormity of it. And he actually took his glasses off and 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 swallowed and and you could see that. He was emotionally moved and almost to tears. But at the same time, being the professional, the stoic professional that he was, he realized that he also couldn't do that. But for the first time, you really saw the news and what Cronkite was saying affect him personally, that that piece of tape has become legendary. But for the weather person, they were allowed to be a little lighter to provide a little entertainment value in the midst of all the serious news, which in many cases was kind of gloom and doom. It was almost like a little halftime show to some extent, a little break in the action, a chance for the audience to take a deep breath from all the potential uh, you know, hard 
you know, negative news that might be about fires and, and crashes and murders and all this other stuff, we go to the weather. And especially if you live in a warm place, well, the weather is a nice thing to talk about. If you lived in California or, or Florida, hey, it's going to be sunny and, and great. You know, so it sort of took on that kind of a, of a personality. And many cases, it, it, it became almost an entertainment type of position. Even though meteorology is uh, a science, the prediction of weather is, is a talent and an art form, taking all these different pieces of weather information, combining it with your knowledge of how they work and how they interact, and then putting together a forecast to say, well, if A, B, and C exist, the chances of this happening are, and then you go on. But there always still was this entertainment value. And the weather person's personality came out much more than perhaps the anchor person's. And as time has gone on, that has only expanded. I mean, in today's weather forecasting, in, in many forecasts on the TV news, not only does the weather person give a rundown of the day's weather, the temperatures, um, and a forecast for the day and the next couple of days and even the week in advance, but now they show photos that pictures that people have taken. Or they will tell jokes. There was a, a very influential uh, weatherman here in Chicago who was very popular at the time in the 70s, throughout the 70s, and even into the early 80s, named John Coleman. The Channel 7 News here in Chicago was the number one news, still is. Um, and John Coleman was known not only for his weather forecasting, but for his personality. He used to joke with the anchor people, especially uh, one of the, uh, the anchor men named Fahey Flynn, who was kind of a very serious looking, once again, in that, in that, in that role, in that, in that mold of a, the serious news anchor. But John Coleman brought a big personality where he was laughing and he would uh, poke fun and he actually got Fahey Flynn to laugh sometimes and show his personal side and, and his human side. So the weatherman, the weather person has, has played an interesting role in development of, 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 of uh, TV news. As I said before, kind of a, a break, kind of a lighter side. Now, here in Chicago, as I said, weather is important because it does affect so many things of our daily lives. And I really believe that the importance of weather here in Chicago and the way most people feel about it today is because of the importance and the passion that Tom Skilling put on it. John Coleman went on to found the Weather Channel nationally, which still exists today. But he was almost like a comedian at times. He was he was he was there. He came up with different uh, stories, uh, thorn like uh, different like phrases. He was more of an entertainer. 
Really was. A, a thunderstorm was a thorn. He came up with that. You know, he would use, oh, it's going to be snowing out here in the boonies. You know, most people were watching in the Chicago area, in the city. If there were some suburbs or some areas that were far out away from Chicago, he referred to them as the boonies. So he had these interesting little, uh, you know, descriptions and words. And he was, was, I don't want to say he wasn't serious about news because, or or, uh, weather, because he was. As I said, he went on to, to, to form the Weather Channel, to create the Weather Channel, which is a major part of, uh, of, 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 the, of our news gathering services. Many people go online, watch the weather. Hey, what's, I'm going here. I'm going there. I'm traveling. I'll go to the Weather Channel. I'll go on their website. I'll watch the Weather Channel. John Coleman, for all his kind of, at times, carnival barker uh, image, he still was. A weatherman. Now, interestingly, at that time, there was also another weather. There was a couple others in in the town that had, once again, the nice combination of a interesting and welcoming personality, but also a ability to forecast the weather in an accurate way. One of them was Harry Volkman, who was also, he went and worked on several stations here in Chicago, including Channel 9, where Tom Skilling eventually came when he came to Chicago. Now, Harry Volkman, for example, he had a very nice little smile, and he, had, he, he would make little jokes, nothing big, not, not as big as John Coleman. So he was, he was, a little much, uh, it was like uh, the, the opposite of that. So if you didn't like John Coleman's bigger personality, you maybe were attracted to Harry Volkman, who was a little less, um, he, 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 he was engaging. Let's put it that way. He would tell a joke. He would have a smile. Now, his thing, where John Coleman was kind of big and boisterous and he had the boonies and the thorns, Harry Volkman's little uh, identifier, uh, identifier was he would wear a corsage on his jacket every day to the point where you wanted to see what his flower was every day. And if he did, he would make personal appearances and he would be given a corsage and a flower. I remember one time he came to speak at my grammar school and uh, we presented him with a corsage to wear in the news that day. (laughs) That was his kind of personality calling card. He had a low-key personality. He had a nice little dry sense of humor, but he was engaging, and he had these boutonnieres, he called them, his boutonniere, which was a corsage of a flower that he would wear uh, on every forecast. Now, at the same time, on Channel 2, which at one time was the number one news for a while with Bill Curtis and Walter Jacobson, there was another weatherman named John Coughlin, and he was the polar opposite of both John Coleman and Harry Volkman. He was very, he was almost folksy. He was almost like a small town uncle. He had a, 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 a he had kind of a, an easy manner. Uh, he, he had a homespun sense of humor. Uh, and he was very likable. 
he 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 had a, he was his he even his his entire look he was kind of a thin man and uh, he had a, a really nice little almost leprechaun uh, kind of smile like a little glint in his eye and a nice very easy small uh, slow laid back delivery which was as i said before a polar opposite to the way john coleman was so your weather people you know were in many ways sometimes you know you decided which news to watch and why in many cases especially locally it was about the people who were presenting it did you like them most of the weather segments as i said before were maybe two or three minutes at the most but if you like the main anchors and then went right into the weather and then they had the sports if if everybody that was there had was able to play off of each other had their own individual personalities uh, and were a little different as well as a little the same it made for a well-balanced kind of newscast where people would say, oh, I, I like this. It flows well. The Channel 7 News, which was very popular with Fahey Flim and Joe Daly and John Coleman and Bill Frank on sports, was known as happy talk. There was a lot of joking. It was much more lighthearted. They read the news, but then... After a news story, you might see them smile and, and, and do a lot more interaction. It was called happy talk. On Channel 2, things were much more serious with Bill, uh, Bill Curtis and Walter Jacobson. And that's why John Coleman's uh, delivery fit in well there. It was a nice little pause in the seriousness of it. And he was engaging. Channel 5 here in Chicago had an anchorman named Floyd Calber, who was somewhere in the middle. He was very stoic at times, but he was known to tell a joke and crack a smile. Not as much joke cracking and smiling as Channel 7, and not as serious as Walter Jacobson and Bill Curtis. So he kind of split the difference again. And that's where Harry Volkman was for a while. And through the years, we've had other forecasters and uh and and anchor people in chicago ron majors carol marine lester holt a lot of people here in chicago that went on to national prominence but in weather i would say some of the 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 most popular weather people at least in the last 40 or 50 years were john coleman at channel 7 harry volkman and uh, and john coughlin and then in 1978, when a lot of these forecasters were beginning to get a little older, here came Tom Skilling. And he came from Milwaukee at a station there. And he brought a whole different view. Now, as I said before, Tom was not born here in Chicago even though he feels like he's every bit of Chicago, and I think in many cases comes to symbolize Chicago for many people. But in fact, he was born in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. He grew up for a time in New Jersey, and then ultimately his family moved here in the Chicago area to the suburbs in Aurora. And Tom was the real deal. If John Coleman was more of an entertainer and a carnival barker, Tom was 
a meteorologist. There's a big difference, I think, between a weather person and a meteorologist. Most of the people that are on television are meteorologists, but many of them are not as schooled or serious or as passionate about it. Many of them are good-looking. They came from other disciplines. Many of them were, were on the radio, were disc jockeys, and they took meteorology classes and became, and they had a, uh, a name from other media, and they made the transition to television, new, uh, television weather. But Tom was the real deal. At age 14, in Aurora, he went to a local radio station, a small radio station in Aurora, and pitched the idea to the station managers. This is, this is gutsy for a 14-year-old kid, especially at this time. You know, this is this is before reality television. This is before TikTok, when everybody, you know, was basically on television every day on their phones or on the radio on their podcasts. But Tom had the drive and the ambition, and I think just the inner passion and fire to really want to do this weather forecasting, to be a meteorologist, to 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 predict the weather and to. Uh, predict it and, and as well as inform and and help people and and I think as I said before teach as well as entertain. There's always an entertainment aspect to it. Anything on television has that. But when Tom was 14, he went to a local station in Aurora and said to the the general manager, "Your weather forecasts are not." very accurate for aurora because you're reading basically the rip and reads from chicago and we're about 30 miles away from chicago if not more and our weather here in aurora is much different than it is in chicago 20 30 40 miles makes a difference and so tom's proposition was at 14 years old already interested in meteorology and weather as well as broadcasting, obviously. Tom's proposition at 14 was to say, look, I'll put together some weather forecasts for Aurora because that's your audience. People in Chicago aren't listening to your station. People in Aurora are listening to your station, so you should be serving the people of Aurora. They should know their weather, not Chicago's weather. It might be raining 40 miles away from here in Chicago, but it might be sunny here. You're not serving your audience correctly. (laughs) That's pretty gutsy. That's pretty bold for a 14-year-old, but it's also insightful, and it's ambitious. And so Tom put together, using whatever he had at his disposal as a 14-year-old, he put together weather forecasts for aurora and his deal was if my weather forecasts are accurate then i get a job here to do the regular weather weather forecasts on this on the station and sure enough tom's using whatever whatever 
information and whatever technology was available to him as a 14-year-old in Aurora, he put together accurate forecasts for that area. And he impressed the, the powers that be at the station, and he ultimately got a radio job there at 14 years old, already showing his passion, his ambition, his drive, and most importantly, his accuracy, his ability to take all this different information, put it together, and correctly predict what might happen. And, of course, that skill and that knowledge was only added on as he got older and went to college, went to the University of, uh, of Wisconsin in Madison and majored in journalism and meteorology. And pretty soon, upon graduation, got a job at the Milwaukee TV station as their weather person. But clearly, it, it's, it, it's impossible to watch Tom Skilling and not feel and see the knowledge he has and the passion he has for it. And it's addictive. Even if you don't care that much about the weather in general, he cares so much that you, it's, it's just interesting to watch him to watch someone so into what they are doing that you become a fan even if the the larger topic isn't something that necessarily intrigues you or or attracts you but to see someone doing what they do and doing something that they love and do it well is appealing and attractive and we'll watch that and that's what Tom Skilling had for himself. Now, he wasn't above being an entertainer, like I talked about before, like John Coleman or some of these other people. In fact, <laughs> his history is pretty funny. As serious as Tom is about weather, as knowledgeable as he is about weather, as passionate as he is about weather, he and as and, and one of the things that 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 has always been uh, impressive and intriguing about the way Tom Skilling presents the weather is he's never talked down to the audience. If anything, he talked up to the audience. He brought the audience into his world. He introduced terms and explained how things worked. Many of the weather people would just say, oh, there's a high-pressure system that's coming through here and it's going to rain. Well, to the average person, what does that mean? What does high-pressure mean? I don't know what that means. And maybe this person, this weather person didn't even know. A lot of times they might just be reading what somebody else prepared for them because they were good-looking or they had a, they had a nice voice. But Tom delivered not only the knowledge and the passion and the accuracy, but he also had an engaging personality. But he also is a teacher. And I think that's what has made Tom so, uh, I guess, not only respected, but, but loved, beloved by the Chicago area audiences. He he in a in a very subtle way 
elevated the the whole not only weather forecasting but the entire meteorological science he wouldn't just say a high pressure system's coming in and it's going to rain or or it's going to or be warm he had detailed maps and he would explain what's happening he would use terms and introduce those terms and explain what they meant and use them every day. So then it, it sort of became a part of the lexicon. When you, when you heard Tom talk, now if he's talking about a high-pressure system, we began to know what that was, certainly more than we did with the other people who just kind of said it and moved on. Tom was so passionate, and people who are passionate about what they do, they want to share that with others. So I don't think that was, and that's what that's another part of the Tom Skilling mystique. He was honest. He was genuine. This was not an act. He was not a carnival barker. He clearly, at age fourteen, showed his uh, his love or an interest for the weather. He was the real deal, and it came through. He was genuine, and you knew it, and you felt it, and he seemed to be driven and excited by this for himself, and he wanted to share that excitement with the audience as much as possible. So even if you weren't crazy about weather forecasting, Tom still brought you into his world. And he informed you, and and in many ways, excuse me, he taught you. And so if you watch Tom then on a regular basis, you were right there with him. You began to understand when he would talk about different weather terms. He would introduce new weather terms. And he would define them and explain very quickly with, with, with interesting and, and, and relatable metaphors how this worked and why it worked. Why the Canadian um, uh, air was coming down. What is an El Nino? These terms were never heard of or even talked about before on a weather forecast on television. Tom brought in the science of meteorology to the masses, but he presented it in a relatable and understandable way. And I think that's one of his greatest legacies. And now we see his popularity and his success influenced almost every weather forecast presentation not only in the city, certainly, but even around the country, if not around the world. And I believe that Tom Skilling definitely had that influence because of the passion and the, uh, the relatability and the success that that had. And as, as I said before, he was also engaging and entertaining. He had a nice, easy manner. He was self-deprecating. And as I said, he wasn't above, he wasn't snooty, he was smart, he knew his stuff, but he presented it in a very friendly and embracing way, welcoming way. But as I said, he wasn't above being being an entertainer. In fact, while he was in Milwaukee, he used to do the weather with a puppet. (laughs) When you think of how serious Tom is 
about weather. And that's one of his greatest assets, is, as I said before. It's genuine. But he was with an a, 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 a alley cat puppet. I believe it was Albert. Who did the weather with Tom. This is my point about the weather forecast in, in a lot of local and national things were kind of like this lighter entertainment side that they actually had a puppet doing the weather with Tom. <laughs> and to Tom's credit, he never forgot that. And when he came to Chicago, he didn't have the puppet anymore. But I think he was smart enough and savvy enough to realize that there is an entertainment aspect to the weather. If he, if he, if he came out and was very serious and stoic and, and almost uh, like a professor, he wouldn't have had the impact and influence and audience and created a legend and created this, this unique bond with his audience. No way. Because they would have felt that, they were, that he was talking at them. But as a broadcaster, one of Tom's great talents is that he talks with us, not to us, with us. He invites us in. He informs us. He entertains us. And at the same time, he accurately, in many cases, predicts what the weather's going to be, which is his job, ultimately. You know, a lot of times the weather forecasting many years before, especially, as I said, now we have much more sophisticated uh, equipment and satellites that we can look three or four or five days out and be fairly accurate. But 30, 40, 50 years ago, it was still, as I said before, a guessing game. And that's what Tom did. Not Tom not only brought you into the world, but you can count on what he said. If he said it's going to rain, it rained. It wasn't, well, if it rains, I'll, uh, whatever. Uh, I'll bring an umbrella. If it doesn't, it does. no, no. When Tom said, make sure, you know, it's going gonna, it's gonna to snow tomorrow, be, 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 be ready, it snowed. So in, in, in addition to his manner, his presentation, his knowledge, his passion, he was one damn good weather forecaster. Because at the end of the day, that's what's most important. That's how he built the trust. All those other things were certainly important in, in building his bond and relationship with the audience. But ultimately, I think his, his, his talent and ability to do his job at the end of the day, the most important thing to correctly and accurately predict the weather, he was right on it. Now, he's never 100%, but he was accurate enough where people came to rely on him. He became a daily friend, so much so that now where many newscasts, as I said before, the weather segment, it may be three to five minutes. Tom has almost 10 or 15 minutes at times, especially if there's a, a major weather system, especially in the snow in the winter here. He is one of the main reasons people watch the Channel 9 WGN News. He is promoted 
this segment of Tom's Weather. He is a revenue generator for the station. He is a the station's probably most prominent personality in general. And WGN Channel 9 has had some pretty prominent personalities and entertainers along the way. Beloved, like Bozo the Clown and Cookie the Clown and, and, and Garfield you know, and uh, Fraser Thomas and Mr. Ned and Bob Bell and Tom Skilling is right there on the Mount Rushmore of Chicago broadcasters and Chicago personalities and Chicago legends. He really is. I was so fortunate to have a chance to work with Tom and to come to know Tom. When I was working uh, as part of the uh, Gary Meyer radio afternoon radio program on WGN um, from 2009 to 2014, Tom would come on the show on a daily basis and offer his the, a weather uh, weather segment. And many times the weather segment would turn into a very fun and engaging conversation about a variety of things. And then, oh, by the way, Tom, uh, what's the weather going to be like? We would, go, we would go off on tangents. And if you listen to this podcast, you know how easy it is for me to go off on a tangent. And I must, I do, I have to say one thing that I think is, is very important. And I don't think Tom would, would disagree. Tom, when he came to Chicago in 1978, he brought a new, fresh approach to the weather, an informative and, and accurate and serious type of uh, weather forecasting with a touch of personality. There's no question. But it was his, his passion and his intensity and, and, and the different, um, the diff- he, he used to you know have, now everybody does it for the most part, but Tom always still has so many more different views and, and, and maps and angles on things. Tells you more about all the different ingredients that go into the weather on a daily basis. It was almost like a seminar every day. And it was actually fun to watch it because you could see he was like a mad scientist enjoying all this and bringing these terms that we never heard before and explaining. And and he was so animated and you could just see his excitement and the passion for it. It was unmistakable and it was addictive. It It was appealing. And at the time, in the mid 80s, Now, when Tom had established himself, Steve Dahl and Gary Meyer, one of the most popular radio duos in Chicago talk radio history, who would comment and make observations about anything they saw, especially Chicago-based, suddenly zeroed in on Tom. And I think it was Steve Dahl who initially started to talk about, wow, this Tom Skilling on Channel 9. Wow, I mean, this guy is way, way into weather. He's like, as I said before, a mad scientist. And, and he brought attention to Tom. 
And Stephen Gary had a very large following, a very loyal, passionate following for their radio show. And when they talked about something, when they pointed something out, when they, when they gave it their blessing, their audience followed suit and started to watch it. And, Tom, and, and Steve even gave Tom Skilling the nickname of Tommy Skillethead as a joke. And here was the brilliance of Tom Skilling. This is where Tom Skilling was a savvy broadcast genius and where, sadly, Wally Phillips here in Chicago missed the boat. Stephen Gary used to make fun of Wally Phillips, who was the leading morning radio personality in the city by far. He had he, His audience quadrupled anyone. He was the Chicago radio personality. And Stephen Gary wisely, as young upstarts, aimed their satirical arrows and made fun of Wally because Wally was associated with the older generation. And Stephen Gary were a part of the, the younger generation, the, 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 the aftermath of the counterculture, if you will, the new generation. And they would make fun of Wally Phillips. But when they made fun of Wally Phillips, in many ways, they, they, they made us, as I was certainly one of their listeners, they made us interested and intrigued. Well, what about Wally? To, to the point where we would listen to Wally to see then what Stephen Gary were going to say about Wally. And they did parody songs, and it was a little vicious. But that was the idea. They wanted to hitch their star onto Wally Phillips. And rather than embracing the attention that that Steve and Gary were bringing to Wally Phillips, negative or positive, joking or, or, or serious, they were bringing attention to Wally Phillips. And instead of Wally embracing that, being in on the joke, He rebelled, and he made this kind of this generational mistake of setting up some kind of a of you know those those guys. I don't want to say their names, and 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 this enemy type of thing. And ultimately, that hurt Wally Phillips's career because he 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 alienated the younger groups of people. He had the older generation in his back pocket, but he wasn't able to expand his audience. If he would have embraced Stephen Gary's joking and kidding, whether it was mean-spirited or not, if he would have embraced it, in an odd way, he would have expanded his audience because the, we, the younger people would have been listening to Wally, maybe for a different reason, but they still would have been listening. And so Wally, in many ways... While he was popular, his popularity began to wane very quickly as Stephen, Dahl, Stephen Gary gained their popularity. And Wally could have, they both could have benefited from that. That's what Steve, when, when Wally attacked Stephen Gary, that was the greatest thing that could have happened to them. Because now they got under his skin. And to their audience, younger, rebellious people, that was cool. Stephen Gary were giving it to the man. And the man was pushing back. 
And now Stephen Gary became folk heroes and, and rebels, giving it to the to the establishment. If if Wally had either embraced Stephen Gary and whatever they said about him, or at the very least, ignored him, all of their jokes would have fallen flat. But by him making it obvious that they got under his skin, elevated Stephen Gary with their audience and their prominence and led to Wally's decline. Tom Skilling, whether he learned from it or not, whether he, he understood it or not, I never asked him. I should, have, I should ask him one time. But he did a smart, savvy thing. When Steve and Gary were making fun of him, when they were giving him this nickname of Tommy Skillethead, when they were making fun of how over the top he was and so crazy about weather that he was, that they were exaggerating, making fun of him, instead of Tom getting mad and upset and once again like Wally creating this barrier and, 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 and talking bad about them, he embraced it. He had a self-deprecating sense of humor. He brought it on. He embraced it. He came on with Stephen Gary. And he was able then to, even though on their on its face, Tom was not a Stephen Gary type of of performer. And his audience would, you know, Tom was was so into it, he was kind of a square, if you will. But Stephen Gary gave Tom a prominence and a hipness. Tom now was cool because of who he was. Even if, it, even if he was a little over the, over the thing, Stephen Gary made fun of him, but Tom embraced it. He didn't call them names. He came on their show. And now when Stephen Gary talked about the weather, they talked about Tom Skilling. And so now, as a viewer, or as a listener to Stephen Gary, I say, well, let me check this Tom Skilling. If I wasn't watching him, let me check out this Tom Skilling. Not only can I get to see maybe, because maybe Stephen Gary is going to comment on him, but if they like him, I like him. And that's, to me, that was a turning point in Tom Skilling's career. I believe it really was. He expanded his audience. He showed uh, that he could reach across the aisle, that he had a good sense of humor, that he embraced it, that he could take a little ribbing. And, and it brought in a whole new younger audience that ultimately was going to get older and stay with him for the next 45 years. And that's why Tom Skilling has been at WGN for 45 years, has risen to prominence locally, nationally, and internationally, because he was able to grow his audience and to, to present his, his weather forecasting to a larger audience and a, and a diverse audience, not just older people at the time who may have been watching WGN but a younger crowd who ultimately would become the establishment. But they had been now watching and listening to Tom for years, and so as they grew old, Tom became their man, their habit, their appointment television.
So I think in many ways, and I think that Tom would admit this, that Steve and Gary were key in elevating his his audience. There's no question about his ability. As a forecaster and a meteorologist, I said before, top-notch. But broadcasting and television broadcasting is still entertainment. And Tom was smart enough to realize that. So when Gary got an afternoon show at WGN in 2009 and I was with him, he brought Tom on. Another smart move on Gary's part. If 30 years before that, Tom Skilling used Stephen Gary to gain acceptance and grow his audience with an audience that might not always listen, know who he was or watch him. 30 years later, Gary used, you know, used the same trick. When he was on WGN, after years of making fun of WGN radio, now he was on it. And there was many people, there were many people within the station who did not embrace Gary coming there. And when we would walk down the halls, we were not always welcomed. So Gary was very smart. He knew Tom Skilling is a Chicago icon. He knew that Tom Skilling is a WGN icon. And if Tom Skilling gave Gary the blessing, then even those people that may have never listened to Stephen Gary or maybe people that didn't like Stephen Gary in their their form of humor or whatever it was, if Tom liked them just as it was 30 years ago, where Stephen Gary's fan came to like Tom because they liked him, the same was true here. If Tom Skilling likes Gary, then maybe I can like Gary. And they started listening. Tom was on every day. We had a nice rapport with Tom. We joked with Tom. Tom played along. We would joke and make make little jokes about him, talk about his personal life and all his little picadillos and and you know all these little things. And he played with the joke. He got it. And he was benefiting from it too. Not that he needed it. But people would say, oh, I heard you on Gary's show today. He would come, he, 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 he came and did one of his live, he did one of his, uh, his news broadcasts from the WGN uh, radio studio that was in the, the, in, the, in the showcase studio on Michigan Avenue live. He even wore one of my jackets. I brought a, <laughs> I brought a leopard skin jacket that I wore as a big bopper in a play and Tom wore it during that newscast. That was live from the showcase studio. <laughs> it was fantastic. Tom also came to a couple of our our annual Christmas parties and was the star of the show. People were coming up to Tom, getting pictures, getting autographs, you name it. You were in the presence of a major star. It was very obvious. Me personally, I have to say, Tom didn't know me from Adam, and he was from the beginning, very welcoming to me. I was with Gary, so he gave me that respect. And then I believe that I, my own personality, he became to appreciate me. He would refer to me as Elton. Hi, Elton. He would always say hi and bye to me after his, as his segments were ending. He would always engage me. 
on the air. I would make little jokes about him. He would take it in uh, in stride. He would give it back to me. Uh, I, I got to know him a little socially, not much. But whenever I saw him, he would always come up to me with a wide smile. He was always so complimentary about my work and about the show and uh, and would ask me questions. We would always engage. Whenever I saw Tom in person, um, we always had really nice, fun, elongated uh, um, um, you know, uh, conversations. I'm not going to say I'm Tom's best friend. But when I did ever engage with him personally... He was always focused, and we had a great conversation. I would consider him a friend, even though we don't hang out. Over the years, I have emailed him on and off. He always responds, still mentioning the radio show from many years ago now, and always being very complimentary of um, of whatever I was doing, and always saying nice things about me personally. In fact... Tom and I even suffered from the same ailment one time, which is one reason why I talked to him on the phone one time. I called him up. One time on the radio, he was mentioning that he had something called sudden loss, sudden hearing loss in an ear and lost complete hearing in one of his ears for like a week or so, if not more. And a couple years later, I had the same exact thing. And so I emailed him and I said, you know, Tom, I just lost my hearing. I had this stuff. Did you have something all of a sudden? And he goes, that's exactly what happened to me. And we were trading and sharing our own symptoms together of having this very rare, odd, uh, you know, thankfully temporary ailment of sudden hearing loss. Literally, I lost 90% of my hearing overnight. And thankfully, I was able to, uh, it was cured through, uh, you know, steroids and stuff. But we we bonded over sudden hearing loss. <laughs> so as I said before, I certainly was not, I am not a best friend of Tom. I'm, I haven't socialized with him all that much. But when I worked with him, I was fortunate enough for almost five years on a daily basis to work with him, even though we never saw him. He was at the WGN studio, so it was just his voice. But I had the rare and privileged honor to work with Tom, to be a part of his world, um, and to, um, to have fun with him on a professional and a personal level. And when I think back at my radio career, I will always cherish that opportunity that I got a chance to work with truly one of the legends in Chicago broadcasting. And so I end this tribute to Tom by just saying, you were the best at what you did. I hope that we still see and hear from you. I hope that you enjoy your retirement in whichever way you plan on uh Seeking it out, whether it's traveling, whether it's living in different spots where you you have residences. But Tom, I want you to know that you made a difference in Chicago. You became a symbol of Chicago. You became a friend to Chicago. And for me, you became a friend of mine.
I wish you the best. And there may be other people who will forecast the weather, but none will be as accurate and interesting and as passionate as Tom Skilling. Tom, I love you, man. Job well done. And so ends another episode of Elton Jim's Captain Podtastic. Every Monday, a new episode is posted at WGNRadio.com or wherever you go to find your favorite podcast. We are there. And don't forget to tell your friends, tell your family, tell anybody who listens to a podcast that your favorite podcast is Elton Jim's Captain Podtastic, and it should be theirs too. Your loyalty and devotion are much appreciated. Hope you enjoyed episode number 405. I'm Jim Toronto. I ain't here on business. I'm only here for fun. You've been listening to Elton Jim's Captain Podtastic. From the end of my mind to your ears. Yeah. Thank you, Micah. Yeah.